Greetings again to you all this evening. You all had a good day. Trust you have, and welcome back again <clears throat> this evening as we look into God's Word and become more like Him. Thank you to the song leaders for singing, and you know, the next thing to the preaching of the gospel that draws men's hearts to the Lord is good gospel singing. And so singing has a very important part in worship, <clears throat> drawing our hearts <clears throat> to the Lord. And so uh, it's beautiful to hear you sing. So thank you to the song leaders. And in reference to our brother's devotion, I, I uh, looked at a couple more verses after he read there in 1 Peter 1, and I just need to uh, make one comment on that. That is wonderful. The blood of Jesus, shed blood, the importance of the blood. And at the end of verse 1, or at the end of verse 21 of 1 Peter 1, it says that your faith and hope might be in God. I underlined those words in my Bible. The whole purpose of salvation, the whole purpose of the joy of being saved, being redeemed, is so that we can have a faith and hope in God. And so I'm not sure uh, how you uh, look at life sometimes, but uh, life can deal us quite a bit of discouragements and, and uh, maybe things that frustrate us or cause a bit of anger, whatever. A mixed emotion. But I'm thankful we can come back to the Word of God and see the promises that He continues to extend to us, that we can, that we can have a faith and a hope in him. So thank you for that uh, songs and devotions tonight. <clears throat> Anyone here want to give you the challenge to say our memory verses, uh, theme verses, I should say. If you were in First Peter there, uh, just a page over from where our brother had devotions. Chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Anybody want to say them by memory? <clears throat> no one courageous enough to try it? We had some courageous ones give it a try, and they did very well. Not perfect, but <laughs> it's okay. I just encourage you to keep looking at those because I'm going to give you opportunity the rest of the week here. Um, keep challenging you to memorize scripture. All right, let's all say them together. If you're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, 
which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. All right, maybe you'll have the courage to say it tomorrow evening. And if not, uh, I, I want to say to children, you're welcome to, you're welcome to memorize it and say it as well. I'm looking for anyone. Because I know how it is sometimes for older people like your parents and like me to memorize scripture just doesn't go quite as easy as it used to. And children with, uh, how should I say this, with a lot less clutter in their minds. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the right term or not, but uh, a lot less uh, items to think about, have a clearer mind and memorize scripture. But anyway. For our message this evening, I'm going to take you to an Old Testament book, and I'm going to look at a character study this evening from the book of Nehemiah. So I encourage you to turn there, and we're going to look this evening at some, uh, some outstanding character traits in the life of Nehemiah, and it, it kind of has to do with leadership qualities, and uh, you know, Nehemiah was a leader that, that uh, yeah, had, he had some very interesting character traits. A little bit of history of the situation here with, with Nehemiah. He says that uh, at the end of chapter one that he was the king's cupbearer. Now, in order to be the king's cupbearer, I expect there was probably years of training that he needed to go through in order to serve the king in this way. But as I think about Nehemiah, and I think about the, uh, some of the things I want to point out in his life tonight, and thinking about the direction uh, leadership in your homes. Without a leader, without someone leading out, without someone being a leader in your homes, in your businesses, in the communities, in our churches, there is, there is uh, a lack of direction. And um, when I think about Nehemiah here being the king's cupbearer, there's one word that stands out very, very uh, outstanding to me, and that is the word trust. Uh, Nehemiah was a trusted man. <clears throat> he was a personal friend, but he was the cupbearer of the king. Uh, what his job was is, uh, you know, back in those days, and I'm, I'm sure it happens even, even in our day today, someone of, the, character, of, the, uh, of the, the prestige and the power of a king or a high-ranking official in government, whatever you want to term that in our day today, there is always those people out 
with what we would call assassination plots. Okay? And so that can happen in various ways. It can come about in, in totally, totally veiled um, situations. But back in these days, they would do that through the food or drink that a king would partake of. And so for Nehemiah to be the cupbearer of the king, he would test all of the drink and all of the food before it was given to the king in case of, of that kind of a plot. So when you think about the word trust, you, you follow with me here uh, how the king trusted Nehemiah? How Nehemiah trusted the king? <laughs> you know, when that relationship, when that relationship becomes to the plate, last night we talked about relationships, and so this is one of the things I want to talk a little bit about here is if there was ever a breach between Nehemiah and the king, about his trustworthiness, he would have been gone just like that. Because if the king cannot trust someone who is testing his food and his water or whatever he drinks, you see how trust is kind of fragile. And when it is broken, it, uh, it causes some pretty serious consequences. So anyway... The time, uh, the setting here, the Jews uh, found themselves in captivity in a strange country approximately a hundred years before the time of Nehemiah, Zerubbabel led the first return of the captives back to Jerusalem. That was approximately 538 B.C., about 80 to 90 years, I think it was about approximately 90 years later, Ezra led a second return of captives back to Jerusalem. And uh, Nehemiah followed very shortly thereafter, approximately 10, maybe 10 to 15 years later, returned with a third group of exiles to rebuild the city walls. And so that's a little bit of, uh, little bit of history on the, uh, the life of Nehemiah, the, uh, the situation with the children of Israel, uh, the Jewish people. And so we see that Nehemiah played a very important role in uh, what we would consider the government uh, of that day. He was working with the king. But anyway, Nehemiah had a, uh, had a heart for the Jewish people. If I am correct, I think he was a Jew himself. I could be off on that, but I think he was. And so he had an interest in the return of the captives. He had an interest in what all was happening there, and you'll see that. We'll notice that here in chapter 1. I'm going to try to skim over several chapters here tonight, and we'll see how far we, we go until it's time to close. And uh, and look at some character traits in the life of Nehemiah that would help us to, to understand what it takes to be a good 
godly husband, father in the home, leader in the community, leader in your business, or leader in the church, leadership qualities. And let's, uh, let's look at a few verses here in chapter 1. First of all, uh, verse 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month Cheslu, in the twelfth year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left in, in uh, left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. So there you see that Je Nehemiah asked the question, how are the Jews doing? He asked them about how uh, the, uh, those, in the, those of the captivity, and he also asked concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Just pause there to point out the first character trait that I see is Nehemiah had compassion. He had a sensitivity about the Jewish people. Now, obviously, as a, uh, as a person and character of what Nehemiah was, and I already talked about him being the king's cupbearer, it says that his compassion and his sensitivity about the state of the Jewish people in Jerusalem in particular, that was defenseless, wall broken down. It was a defenseless city. It says that he sat down and wept when he heard that news. And you know, for us today, the matter of sensitivity and compassion, it's not a weakness for a leader to be burdened and brought to tears about the state of those he is giving leadership to, his family, his church, whatever situation it is. That's not a weakness. That is an overwhelming strength to have a heart and a, 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 an emotion of compassion for people to be walking with God, people to be going and headed in the right direction. And so we see he demonstrated this by coming to God in prayer. And you'll notice that his prayer is here in verse 5 through the end of the chapter of verse 1, or actually 5 through 9, these verses. And I'd encourage you to read it sometime with, with depth and hear the words, hear the words of Nehemiah as he's praying to God. Nehemiah demonstrates five basic elements to effective, to effective prayer that I just want to point out here. Number one, he, he, uh, he praises God. He says in verse 5, I beseech thee, O God, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. And so the first thing that he does, the first element of, of prayer of an effective prayer is praise, praising God for who he is. The second one is thanksgiving. 
You'll see in this prayer that he thanks God. Thanksgiving is an important part of our prayer if we want it to be effective. To thank God for what he has done. The third one is that of repentance. Look at verse 6. Let thine ear now be attentive to thine and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Now notice what he says. He identifies himself with the Jewish people. He says, both I and my father's house have sinned. So the third part of an effective prayer is bring, bringing repentance, asking God to forgive us. The fourth part of an effective prayer is specific request. He asks God to hear his prayer. And he, uh, he talks about uh, that we have dealt very corruptly in verse 7 against thee. And, and so Nehemiah's specific request is the fact that he wanted God to recognize his prayer for repentance and for help. And the last one that I see is that of commitment. That he is seeking God for, uh, yeah, co simply committed to carrying out the will of God. He says in verse 8, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. Well, what happened to the Jewish people? They were taken into captivity. And Nehemiah rehearses this in his prayer to God. And I believe he appeals to God for a, uh, for a turn back. Verse 9, he says, But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments, this is what God had promised them, and do them, Though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of, the, part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. And so we could go on there, but I want to move on here now to the, uh, the heartfelt prayers of Nehemiah, the, the, the part of, of, of effective prayer. You know, James tells us that an effective prayer means a lot or it accomplishes a lot and so our effective prayer is part of being a good leader part of the qualities of being sensitive and compassion is pouring out our heart to God <clears throat> so we see Nehemiah his sensitivity and his compassion moving on to the second point of my message this evening is his reliance on God and his reliance on God, we see in chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 4, he takes, uh, he takes this burden that he has about going back to Jerusalem to the king. Remember, he was a cupbearer of the king. And so now he communicates in chapter 2 with the king. And um, the king noticed that Nehemiah was burdened. How could he notice that? Well, maybe Nehemiah didn't quite have the biggest smile that he used to have. I don't know. But the king noticed that Nehemiah was bothered about something, and he asked him about it. 
Verse 2, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? Is, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. And I was very sore afraid. And uh, said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not that my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? It's an interesting comment here about Nehemiah pleading with the king that the place of his father's sepulchres was a defenseless city now. It was broken down. It was in disarray. And Nehemiah says this, uh, he explains that that is his burden, I believe. Verse 4, the king, then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And the king, he had a, he had a conversation here with the king about what he wanted to do. And we notice that his reliance again was on God because when the king said, in my own words, what can I do for you, Nehemiah? He went to God first in prayer to ask God. His reliance was on God on what he was to do. And so then we see that his uh, reliance on God moved him, jumping over to chapter 2, verse 20. I'm just trying to point out some highlights here. Then answered I them, and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Uh, this is going now, uh, stepping forward fairly quickly into the, uh, the, uh, the time when, his, uh, when he faced some opposition. And those that were in opposition, you see in verse 19, was Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah, and uh, Sanballat and Tobiah and the, the Ammonite and Geshem of the Arabian heard, heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye, will, that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? So they, he, had, uh, he already was facing some opposition here, I believe probably even before the, the building of the wall started. And he says in verse 20, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. The point is here tonight to think about the, uh, the character quality of Nehemiah is, is that he relied on God to making the plans. And I'm, I know I'm skipping over quite a bit here about how he went out and he surveyed, the, he surveyed the wall. He looked it all over. He came up with a plan and he... Uh, he had this plan in place, and uh, then he began the work. But in that process, and as the, uh, as the opposition started, he claims his reliance on God. And we see that here in, in, uh, in chapter 2, verse 20, that the God of heaven, he will prosper us. So again, this word, trust, comes to the forefront. Who is Nehemiah going to trust in? Well, he's going to trust in God. And, uh, but the important part also that I, lest I forget to mention it, and that is, is that in the building of this wall, there's a very important concept that we need to recognize today as well. Nehemiah could not go and rebuild the wall himself. 
and, that, and this is so important to me when I, as I consider the qualities of, of Nehemiah is that he rallied the people together and one of these verses, I don't know if I have it in my notes, but it points out that the people had a mind to work. Whether you're rebuilding a wall around a defense city like Nehemiah or having a loving congregation working together, let me remind you, your leaders cannot do it all. That's why we need cooperation and working together as a congregation. Nehemiah couldn't have done this task without the group getting involved. And it's such an outstanding story. Probably get ahead of myself if I keep going down that line. So let's, let's continue on here. Reliance on God is so important in all of our lives. Whether your father's in the home or wherever you find yourself in leading out the character quality of relying on God. The third one, ambitious for God. Oh my, Nehemiah had a drive and a passion, they call it today. He had a passion for, for God and to see that the, the Jewish people and the city that they called their homeland, the city of Jerusalem, would again have its wall built around it and it would be a defense city not broken apart and not in disarray. He wanted to see the, uh, the city rebuilt. Uh, in chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, And I said unto the king, If it please the king, I'm kind of picking up here where I left off, uh, And if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. I want to just pause there and have you think with me for a moment. How do you think Nehemiah knew the time frame it was going to take him to rebuild the wall? Because the king is saying, the communication between him and the king is, the king saying, well, how long are you going to uh, one off from your official position as a cupbearer? It says, the, the interesting part that's almost humorous, but you look at it and it says his, he was talking there with the king, and in parentheses it says the queen also sitting by him. <laughs> I kind of get the picture that the king wanted another witness to Nehemiah's words about his time frame. And you know, you're all, you all are familiar with this story, so I'm just going to jump ahead to one thing. The wall was built in 52 days, okay? And, and coming from this statement here about the king asking him, how long are you going to be off? Do you think he asked for 60 days? Or do you think he's built a little cushion in there and said, well, we might need off for 90 days, three months. Just something to think about. In the life of Nehemiah, he was a godly man. And I don't know how he set a time for the king. I, I, I confess to you, I don't know how Nehemiah did that. But anyway, 
He had a passion for filling, for, for fulfilling and pleasing God in doing this project. And you know that's something that I desire. I know I'm getting older and my, my passion is waning a bit maybe. And I love to see younger men get involved in the work. And that's the blessing of, of, a, of a godly congregation, a revived congregation working together. You have the passion of the young and the wisdom of the old. And I tell you what, when I read Nehemiah and I see his ambition to fulfill God's will in rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, I, it makes me excited to see it go forward. And that's what we need. We need the cooperation. And so, looking here at uh, verse 7 of chapter 2, Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given, to, given me to the governor beyond the river. In other words, he was, he was making preparation here now for his journey back to Jerusalem. And a letter unto Asaph the keeper, in verse 8, uh, Keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make uh, beams for the gates of the palace which uh, appertain to the house. In other words, what, what Nehemiah is doing here is he's not only getting a release from the king to go do this project, he's also asking him for building materials. You know, he's asking him for, for materials to make this happen. And so he, he had a large... Uh, plan in place here. So anyway, moving on then, uh, he got all this, uh, all this in place for his journey. He gets the king to, to, uh, to give materials for the project. And the fourth point is here, his perseverance. You move on into, and I, again, like I said, I'm only skimming things here, but you move on to chapter 4, and Nehemiah faces quite a bit of pressure, quite a bit of opposition. Chapter 4, verse 2, it says, um, verse 1, And it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that they builded the wall, he was wroth. Oh, this made Sanballat angry, and he took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Notice what he says in verse 2. What do these Jews, what are, they, what are they trying to do? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And then Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and he said in verse 3, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. <laughs> Talk about ridicule. Talk about opposition. <laughs> oh, come on, you Jews. You know, Nehemiah, they made fun of him, made ridicule. You notice what Nehemiah did in verse 4. He went to God again. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Nehemiah cries out to God again, but I want to notice his perseverance. 
Notice what it says here. Uh, here's the verse that I made reference to earlier in verse 6. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Jump down to verse 10. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to work, are not able to build the wall. Not only... Not only did Nehemiah have uh, opposition from outside the Jewish community, uh, Sanballat and Tobiah, now he runs into discouragement within the group of workers. Oh my, now he has a loss of vision and he has a loss of confidence. And we notice again that uh, Nehemiah, his perseverance, and let's read on here, verse 11, and our adversaries said, we shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. Not only was there opposition from outside, now there's discouragement from within, and Nehemiah goes on, and he says, uh, he, he has a plan, and we'll notice what that is here. Verse 14, And I looked and rose up and said unto the, the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight uh, for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And what his plan was is he started to put together those who were building the wall. He, he, used, he basically divided his workforce up into those who would build the wall and those who would defend an enemy from coming and, and, uh, and hindering the work. And so he had people who uh, carried bows there in verse 16, uh, spears and bows and shields, and he also had the workers continue. So he divided up, he had a strategy, and my, I would say here that his strategy was basically so that the work could continue on and that uh, the workers would be defended. And so, chapter 4, verse 20, Our God shall fight for us. <laughs> the defense of this whole project was, and Nehemiah kept a focus on God, that God shall fight for us. Nehemiah understood that God had promised his people that I will fight your battles for you. And you know, as we face life today, we may face all kinds of opposition from outside the church, from outside, out in the world, maybe friends or community or whatever. We may face all kinds of opposition and maybe even discouragement from within at times. But let's keep a focus like Nehemiah did and say, you know what? God is greater than all of the opposition we face. I know that's easier said than done. <laughs> I know that's easier for me to talk about it here. And it's tough when it happens. But the truth of the matter is, and I see it here in the character of Nehemiah, 
that he kept his focus on who could really help him finish the project. Can I do that? Can you do that? He tried to encourage the workers. Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible in verse 15. And then we jump over to chapter 6. Again, we're skimming some things here. Chapter 6, verse 5. There is a, uh, we'll read a couple verses here. Chapter 6, verse 5, it says, Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen, and uh, Gashmud saith it, that thou the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And if you read on there, this open letter was basically a letter to, uh, to belittle Nehemiah and say, look, we have support from around the area that you people are up to doing something wrong. This was an open letter to kind of draw support for the whole issue of confronting and stopping the building of the wall. You know, I, if I would have been Nehemiah, you sit back and scratch your head and say, okay, now what are we going to do? All right? This looked like a pretty big plan. But I want you to notice <laughs> Nehemiah's response in verse 8. Then I said unto him, saying, There are no such things done in thy, as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. And you look at that and say, whoa. <laughs> How did Nehemiah know this? Well, you see, what, what, what's interesting about this whole opposition thing that came to Nehemiah is it's the same people. Have you gathered that? Sanballat. In verse 5, it says this, he, he came in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Five times! Now, for Nehemiah, to, to maintain a persevering spirit, he obviously had to sit back and think about this a bit and say, okay, I'm putting this in my own words. I've heard from you fellows before. <laughs> uh, you've tried to bring this project down before. Now you're coming with an open letter and nothing that you have in that letter has any truth to it. Wow. <laughs> uh, where did, you know, Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a lot of perseverance and he says here in verse eight, uh, verse eight that you, what, you're, what you're kind to drum up here is a lie. He says, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. He was trying to show them that it was an evil plan. Verse 9, For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. 
Now, therefore, O God, strengthen our hands. Here it is. Nehemiah goes back to God and cries out for the, for the work to continue. And we jump over to verse 15 of chapter 6. And you notice, let me just point out here yet in verse 11. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. They wanted him to come in and sit down for a, what I would call a conference meeting <laughs> or a meeting of the, of the uh, elite. Nehemiah says, I'm not interested. I am not coming. And you notice in verse 15, the wall was finished in 52 days. The month Elu in the 50 and second 52 days. So the project got finished in 52 days. But his perseverance is what is really outstanding to me. His vision. He had a vision for the work. You know, what are some things that we can learn from, from Nehemiah this evening? Nehemiah was a strong, very strong leader. But his connection... His connection to the source of power was the God of heaven. I know it sounds very elementary, but in the times when, the, when, the, when, when things seem to be turning upside down, Nehemiah turns back to God, and then he encourages the people, and a good leader, whether it's in your home or wherever, will always stay in touch with the God of heaven with the word of God, with the source of truth. And when Nehemiah faced all these opposing forces, he kept his focus. And to me tonight, brothers and sisters, that is a huge challenge. Because sometimes we can get sidetracked by the issues that come our way, and we can say, wait a minute, what is going on here? And we have to reevaluate Maybe look at the whole picture. What's actually happening? And Nehemiah saw and probably knew long before he left, being a cupbearer to come and do this project in Jerusalem, he was probably going to face quite a bit of opposition because he knew the Jews had already faced opposition. So again... Turning over now to chapter 8. <clears throat> chapter 8 is an outstanding chapter to me in Nehemiah because it points out a, uh, I believe, a revival that happened in his time. Chapter 8 talks about uh, gathering uh, and, and all the, verse 1, and all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest here brings the law, they read the law, and they see what? Well, to make a long story short here in chapter 8, as Ezra read the law of the Lord, that was commanded for the children of Israel, 
they saw that they had fell away from God. They had sinned. In verse 3, toward the end of verse 3, it says, In the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. They listened. They heard. They heard the law. The Ezra, as he stood there on a pulpit in verse 4, with surrounded by the, by the, the uh, men, godly men, I believe, and they brought this message forward in strength and in the power of the word of God. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And we see in verse 6 that uh, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, and lifted up their hands and bowed their heads, uh, bowed with their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I believe this was a time of revival in the life of the people there. And I'm not saying here tonight that this all happened because of Nehemiah's character, but I believe it was a huge influence when they saw the strength of a man who was willing to confront the, uh, the, the will of God and seeing that the wall of Jerusalem needed to be built and by the, the, uh, the spirit probably of all of this coming together brought the people to a place where they all turned back to God where they had, a, I believe, this was a major event in the life of the children of Israel. And in verse 8 it says, So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Ezra, uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, and, and many of the other people that are mentioned here, caused the people to understand what the law of God was. And I believe it caused them to turn away from sin and caused them to turn back to God. Verse 10, it says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweat, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I see here that the people were commanded to send portions to those who were, who, were, uh, who were poor. Send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. They, were, they had a sharing spirit. They were willing to reach out to their, to their fellow believers, I guess you could say, and share what they had. You know, that's part of the community of the believers today, the Church of Jesus Christ, is that we reach out and help the poor. So we notice here that the uh, qualities and the, uh, the standards that Nehemiah followed, his reliance on God, his determination, his perseverance, are all qualities that I believe at least I can learn from. And I trust tonight you can learn from them as well. That the power of godly leadership and the, the humility of godly leadership, wherever you find yourself, is, is that you will stand with a purpose to follow the truth, the word of God. And when you know you're following the truth and the word of God and the will of God for your life, then you can go forward conquering the enemy. 
and living a victorious Christian life. And so tonight, as I bring this to a close, I simply ask you, where is your life in the area of calling out to God, following God's will, following the character traits that we pointed out here in Nehemiah? Do you have the strength to remain strong and persevere through opposition, persevere through whatever trials come your way, whatever pressures mount in your life? Do you have the strength and the connection to the God of heaven to help you to live a godly life and lead your family, lead your children and your grandchildren to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. How is it tonight with you? Do you feel the strength that I pointed out about Nehemiah and going forward in the power of the Lord? Do you have what it takes to live a godly life, to be a man or a woman of God? And if you're waning tonight or if you're feeling weak at the, that you have no strength. Maybe you've walked away from the principles of God and, and you need to be reminded to come back. I don't know whatever the situation is in your life, but I'd like to give you an invitation tonight that if you have come this week, we pointed out who God is, who we are, and that we must be born again. Last night we looked at relationships. Are there any areas in your life tonight that you know are not right and that you would like to clear up? You would like to seek the Lord and come back to him and find the joy of the Lord as your strength, as we saw in the book of Nehemiah tonight. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, tonight we thank you again for the faithfulness of your word and the outstanding character traits of Nehemiah. Lord, we recognize that we're living in a troubled world here today as well, and seems like opposition is coming from many, many directions. And Lord, you know the hearts and lives of each one that are in this service tonight. I pray that if they are not at peace with God, that you would speak to them, whether they have made a commitment to you many years ago and are walking away from that commitment tonight, I pray that you would remind them, prod them, convict them, show them their need of turning around and coming back to a loving God. Or maybe there's someone here tonight that's never made a commitment. Maybe they're struggling with relationships in their, their life or whatever struggle they're having. Lord, I pray that you would bring conviction on their heart as well. They're not right with you and they're not at peace. Lord, speak to their heart as well tonight. And we want to bring you honor and glory, Lord, because you alone are worthy of our praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.